Welcome, and thanks for tuning in. You must be pondering some fantasy sports questions. Well, good news, because you just turned into another episode of Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers with John and Paul. Second episode of the football season with Coffee in the Dew. (laughs) That's us. (laughs) That is it. Well, you getting excited for the fantasy season? I'm excited because, you know, we didn't mention it much in this year's podcast so far, but in our first season of football, we talked about how it's kind of stupid to draft early, especially before the third preseason game. So all of our drafts, I think, are between now and the beginning of the season, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. One today. It's so important just to give it a fair, even level playing field. It eliminates the bad luck. And it eliminates the bad managers, you know? The people that aren't really diehard fans, and then they get an injury early in the offseason, and then they're just negative and dumb for the whole season, and you don't really like managing a team with them. And then when they lose, it's like, oh, well, it's because, you know, Jarrett McKinnon <laughs> got towards ACL. It's like, no, you can you can rebound from everything. Yes. And so early on in the season, you can. You can eliminate all those negative Nancys by... It's true. And, I mean, being a quitter in it's, these leagues is the most painful thing. Yeah. Because even if you're trying to, especially in keeper leagues, but in general, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Whenever your schedule can affect how you do so much, where you might play a person that played very hard earlier on in the season, and then you mm-hmm. give another person a free win later for the people that quit. Mm-hmm. From, a, from one manager to another, <laughs> to all you people out there... <laughs> Please don't quit. Like yeah. it, it just ruins the trade values of other people. Like you might be able to make trades to help out, depending on some of your people that you have on your roster, and other people might be interested. Right. But you remove those people that might be great training candidates from the pool right. from not playing as well. Because just keep managing, please. And whenever you lose, like fantasy football is a game of opportunity. The the injury you can overcome. It's fun to recite at the end of the season, like, man, that was a tough season because I lost A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. But it is so annoying when you lose a tough matchup and then you're just like, duh, well, I was doomed from the beginning. Yep. You're not doomed from the beginning. <laughs> I had three bye weeks. And you're Handcuffs like, produce. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Every injury creates opportunity, right. which, which is a good thing to keep in mind for every fantasy season at all points and in your the season. Yes. It's fun to steal other people's handcuffs. I don't really believe in drafting them. It doesn't really make sense to me. It's fun to steal them on the waiver wire, but I do think it is a good thing to have your people handcuffed, at least if there's a good handcuff to it. Correct. I mean, like we kind of mentioned last week, Dalvin Cook's injury history is one that a handcuff makes a lot of sense in that case. It's really tough to sit there and hold on to an insurance policy Mm -hmm. that is not going to give you inherent value unless X, Y, and Z happen. Mm Mm-hmm. But if it's your own insurance policy, that makes them worth holding on to right. for the most part. I think so. But they're hard to draft. I think people with value at the moment are always more valuable in such a short fantasy season anyway. But certain handcuffs make a lot of sense. Well, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of Keeper Sleepers and Creepers where we talk about keepers being people that are awesome and you should hold on to them. And even if it's a rough drought or sleepers, well, let's just say what it is though in a preview, keepers being the people we believe in their draft stock, sleepers being the mm-hmm. people rated a little bit too low, creepers being the people rated a little bit too high. It's as simple as it is as we break down these previews for you. Uh, took a week off for vacation last week, so we'll be releasing our previews on Monday until the season starts and then our episodes will translate to being released. On Wednesday, recorded on Tuesday, um, maybe you'll see an early release there. But uh, hang with us, previews coming weekly now um, until the beginning of the season on Monday.
and uh, we're sticking with the old North. And um, covering yeah. that AFC North this yeah. week. So I mean, looking at the week, how close we are to the season now is, we're probably going to have to do, um, you know, two episodes here, get it together on the weekend and release. Yeah, we'll probably episodes. we'll probably have to double up on a few, just to get it done. To get you okay. there. And the reason being, we didn't start earlier because we've been going so hard in baseball. So baseball's still coming. Me and John trying to do it all for you guys. <laughs> trying to. <laughs> but this week is just the AFC North for you. Sticking with the North, capping out the North. And um, we're looking forward to it. It's our home division for us Cincinnatians. Mm-hmm. Um, and what team are we going to start with today? You want to start with them? The Bengals this week? Yeah, we can. They're, they're kind of unintriguing to me, yeah. fantasy-wise. I don't think anything's atrocious. I think but, most of their draft grades are pretty reasonable. Yeah. Which is kind of nice to see. So mm-hmm. no real surprises, but I do have a few opinions on a couple of people, I cool. guess. Where do you want to start? Keeper, sleeper, or creeper? I was thinking about keepers first. Might as well. I think I think we can do that, and I think we've probably got the same person. Probably. Mixon? Mixon. Yeah. Yep. Um, I also, before we get too much into that, I wanted to throw in at least a little si- aside for I like Boyd. At, as well at 49 right now at this point in the season and a wide receiver 22 on the season for his projections. Um, I just think he's a pretty steady producer and with A.J. Green being hurt at the beginning of the year, his value might improve slightly because he'll be the primary weapon in the passing game. But there are risks. I mean, he's only had one breakout season, which was last year. He looked like a, a true breakout candidate, so I'm not really worried about him you know, falling off too hard. But he had 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns last season. But with John Ross struggling and him stealing as many touchdowns as he did in the red zone at the end of last season, I think Tyler Boyd's due for a few more touchdowns. It's just that his upside is limited by the fact that Andy Dalton's offensive line is not good, and he typically struggles with that, and he's more of an underneath-style receiver. So his ceiling's a little bit capped, but he seems super safe. And getting him around 49th overall in the draft and the 22nd wide receiver taken, I think that's very good because that puts him right about the low-end wide receiver two, high-end flex area. I think you get him as a wide wide receiver too early, but um, he'll eventually fade off into being more of a flex option. That's pretty safe. Okay, no. Mixon was your keeper, though, right? But Mixon is the best keeper, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I like him. I think he's going to bring everything he did last year. It's a shame that the line has improved. I know they wanted to in the draft, and then he goes out with the torn labrum, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a bummer. So it's pretty much the same line from last year, but hey, maybe Billy Price is just better this year. It's possible. Because he was not good last year, really, if you look at his grading. Mm-hmm. And um, But Joe Mixon's going to get all that and more with Zach Taylor, who said he's going to get the ball to him in the passing game a lot more, which you like to hear. Yeah. Um, if it pans out, then he's even more of a running back one, and I just think he, he's solid, especially in a year where you got Gordon and Elliott holding out, and, or threatening holdouts at least, and um, yeah, and he's solid. I completely agree. I mean, he was the number one AFC rushing leader last season with a horrible offensive line, mm-hmm. and then this year he also has a horrible offensive line, but he's proven, and to some degree, if people are willing to believe in Arizona with David Johnson being able to make the improvements based on the surrounding weapons that he has. I think Mixon has just as much of a value standpoint from that area. He wasn't held back by the supporting cast and injuries last season. Yeah. And then they drafted the best blocking tight end in the draft, and they went after a first-round tackle 
in this draft, even though he did get hurt, like you mentioned, with a torn labrum. But that what that points to for me is that they're looking to run the football. Right. And then they drafted two running backs late in the draft, which also indicates they're trying to shore up insurance policies just in case Mixon gets hurt. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing there. The only thing is David Johnson sure does have the higher volume. I got him on a whole new tier over Joe Mixon. Um, but it, it's irrelevant. It's just the tiered down a little bit volume, in my opinion, for Joe Mixon. See, I, I can see that opinion for sure. I think experts would completely agree with you. But from my perspective, I think Mixon is more comparable than what his rank would indicate. Um, if you have Mixon plus David Johnson, I, I mean, you could probably make that choice, and I don't think there'd be a wrong one. But I think Mixon's closer than, than he should be at, up at 18 even. I think I would take him a little closer to 12 based on just his talent and then the way the offense looks like it's really pointing toward him being more involved like you said in the past game I mean because we're getting the Rams quarterback coach so slight, like involved in that offensive style yeah forget about Rams quarterback how about we talk about Bearcats offensive coordinator that's right <laughs> here that's, we go that's where it, <laughs> it gets a little interesting and shaky with this coaching staff for the Bengals. I don't think they're going to be very good. But No, that was Zach Taylor's job before that. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Homegrown. Heck yeah. So. I don't think I knew that. At least I'm completely wrong. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot more volume, I think, than David Johnson. But I agree. Joe Mixon is a keeper, and I think he is up, I would say, closer to 12-2. I'd give that to you. But I think you, you can't overlook the passing that uh, David Johnson's going to reel this year. Yeah. That's a, it's a sure thing where Joe Mixon's the hope for thing. Yeah, there is hope for that. So it, it's interesting. But I think Mixon's being slightly underrated. I like him a lot. I agree. Let's move on. Are we going to do Sleeper or Creeper next? Um, Let's do Creeper. Okay. Just so I can get my guy out of the way since you already mentioned him. It's actually Tyler Boyd at 49. Whoa. Okay. okay. Not that I dislike him heavily. It's just that when I look at him, I don't think he is a wide receiver one. I don't think A.J. Green going out helps him or hurts him any worse. I, I think his floor is there. Um, I think it only hurts him, actually, probably getting corner one coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and we even saw it last year with A.J. Green kind of going out late in the season. It's not like he upticked at all. It kind of was stagnant or a little bit less. So I don't think that really helps him. And there's some other people I compare him to back close to the 80s, and we'll talk about another one of them today, that has kind of the same outlook for this whole season um, and that's the only reason why. I, I think he's solid with his floor, but his ceiling isn't there. It's not that, oh, mm-hmm. A.J. Green's out, and now this guy's, this is a low-end wide receiver one. No, not really. Um, I just don't think he's got the talent to make that happen. So with that being said, some other people are going to have to pick it up in the passing game. Hopefully Eifert can just stay healthy long enough to get A.J. Green back. <laughs> it, it would be a huge help yeah. for, for this team. And yeah, I think I do agree with you completely for Tyler Boyd's ceiling is limited, especially for where he's being drafted at at 49. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any hope that he turns into a fantasy wideout one this right. season, um, especially because last year we actually had a sample size of this, right? I mean, right. AJ yeah. Green was hurt for a substantial portion of the season. And it didn't make him look any better. No, his numbers Maybe were stable. Yeah. And so to me, he, he's definitely not going to blow it away. But he definitely didn't go right down the toilet, and he had over four targets in every single game this last year, even right. with all the weapons playing well, and they ran more than they have previously. So, like I him, but definitely don't love him. Right. So I stand I, I by, can, and we'll compare him, because remember, he was in the 70s, 80s before A.J. Green goes down. Now he's in the 40s, 50s. Which, 70s, 80s, I think, I would say 60s, 70s now. 
Okay. But that's kind of where I'm at. Which makes a difference. It's a round or two. That is a round. Know? That is a round. And uh, you can snag some big people in that round or two. But we'll continue. We'll talk about other things. Who's your creeper? My creeper is AJ Green, actually. I mean, I know that the, a lot of the drafts have corrected for his injuries and everything, mm-hmm. but in the last few years, he's been hurt a few times, and it's been been looking more and more consistent based on his career. Um, but right now, he's ranked at 87, um, wide receiver 36. Torn ligaments and an ankle is not an injury that you like to see. No, I hate that that's labeled a sprain because that's a that's a whole new injury. Mm-hmm. I completely agree, and. I, I don't know. That that worries me a lot with a guy that has been hurt a lot. Yeah. It could be a slow start when he even gets back. And it, it, you're probably expecting to miss probably two to four games this season mm-hmm. with a slow return. So you probably won't see a, the real A.J. Green for six weeks. And that's a heavy price tag to have for a guy that might even be out longer if there's a setback or something. Mm-hmm. That those sorts of things can happen. It adds a little more risk there. And 87 is not like a criminal area to draft him in because mm-hmm. he's probably a low-end wideout one when he gets right. It's just... How can he... What, it, what is it looking like getting right for him? That's the real Especially question. Especially when they're cutting on him and they're like, oh, this is worse than we thought it was when they're in there. It, what they say, so... It's, it's bad. And with the O-line looking even worse maybe than last year, theoretically, mm-hmm. and Andy Dalton always struggling under pressure. Yeah. Like, that is his biggest weakness as a person that's watched this team for a while. He, his deep throw accuracy and his ability to make good decisions when under pressure are his two absolute weaknesses. Yeah. So you hate to see that, and I think it limits A.J. Green's upside as well with a little bit of that. I mean, you kind of know what you're going to get with A.J. Green. Right. He's, he's played with Dalton his whole career, but eh. I just think 87 is, is not a guy I'm looking to invest in. He, I mean, at this point in the draft, there's still some value. I would probably wait a little bit longer. It's still not atrocious. Yeah. If you draft him at 87, you're not making a mistake. It's no. just you have to... You're taking a risk that you don't want to take is pretty much what you're saying. Yes. I think that's my feeling on it. And if you can back up with enough wide receiver depth, if you did really great in the first few rounds, like maybe you get, I don't know, Devontae Adams and Odell Beckham or something, one and two in your first two picks there. That's amazing if you do. You'd you'd be hurting in other positions, but it's I think it's, it's probably a more like thing. I, probably not OBJ. I'd say like maybe like a Michael Thomas and Devonta Adams. If you're, yeah, that's that that would be that's excellent. Something that can actually happen in a draft. Mm-hmm. And then if you go after AJ Green with that sort of setup with two of the receivers there, and you already have receiver depth, maybe you're more willing to wait because you can just flex up with other running backs or borderline matchup plays, especially mm-hmm. early on in the season. Mm-hmm. Then maybe that pick was a little more appealing to me. But if you have him picked right about then when you're still looking to fill out some of your roster at that position it might be really rough cool all right then let's move on to our sleeper and i doubt we have the same one here but i'm interested three two one dalton uh it was gonna go tight ends (laughs) okay (laughs) you want to start i'll start all right andy dalton at 177 um mainly because it's the same old same old and he's only had one year where he didn't finish top 18 in quarterbacks um I don't say he's a quarterback one. I don't say you need a roster him, but he's a good streaming option. And especially now that we've lost a QB one with uh, Andrew Luck uh, retiring because of mental fatigue, which hopefully we don't surprise you guys and just retire from mental fatigue with <laughs> one of these podcasts. I think it's anyways. So Andy Dalton, same old, same old. No backup risk. There's nobody that's breathing down his throat. They didn't look to replace him. They could have with Dwayne Haskins, but no, they're going to stay with him, believe in him. They wanted to give him a better line. Um, 
tried. You know, and it's not even that he performs bad under pressure. It's that he literally has some of the worst pressure in the world that you can't even perform well under. It's not even realistic pressure. So that kind of sucks. That it's going to look like that because. I hate watching it, and he is just getting hit so many times. Mm-hmm. If they can block for him better this year, there's no reason he returns to top 18, which means he's a good streaming option. Um, and when the schedule's looking a little bit cakey, you can hold on to him for a couple weeks. I could not agree more with that assessment top to bottom. I think Andy Dalton is underrated, um, but also, yeah, he's a hard guy to want to roster in the draft. Right. But keep an eye on him in the soft matchups that you mm. can match up play him for. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. He, he will produce top 10 numbers at, at the quarterback position in individual weeks if you're able to match up play him. Yeah. And there is value in that. So don't sleep too hard on him. It's just he, he has some inherent value, especially in deeper leagues. I think he, you could do much worse. Right. Cool, cool. Um, But I'm talking about the tight end position, and this is kind of a multi-tier thing, so I'll try to be quick, because both of these guys are not people that you would also want to roster. Uh, I have these as sleepers because I think they will overproduce their draft stock, but not necessarily in the way that you should pick them up. And I'm talking Tyler Eifert and CJ Uzama. Both have played well enough to be top 10 tight ends at individual weeks in the past, Eifert's been a top 10 tight end for a whole season. He was arguably top 5 in 2015 when he was healthy and playing at his best. But there is not a more injury-prone person. In in any sport. In any sport. I completely agree. This poor man has the worst (laughs) It's so bad. I feel so bad for him. Just, yeah. It's not pulled your tight end. It's not a tight end. Hamstring. (laughs) Pulled your tight end. Uh, He just is a guy that breaks everything. He just seems like his... He puts himself in positions to get jacked up. Or, or Dalton puts himself in positions he's jacked up. <laughs> You're probably more <laughs> correct there. He, he t- catches the ball great over the middle, and it results in him getting drilled too mm-hmm. often, and he keeps getting hurt. But he's a guy that I think I want to keep a, a really close weather eye on for the first few weeks. I think you might get top 10 tight end production in week two or three, depending on how Zach Taylor adjusts at using him, especially while A.J. Green is hurt. Um, I think targets could go his way and he could get a few touchdowns for you early, but you have to understand that he's not a guy that you want to invest deeply in. I think he's a good last round pick sort of guy, or if you miss all the tight ends that you like, to start him while he's healthy is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think once he gets hurt, which will happen probably before the first six weeks of the season, CJ Uzama then moves in to be very valuable in this offense. He produced fairly well even with Tyler Croft being injured. Right now, Uzama's rated as the 24th tight, or 44th tight end in rankings, and I think that is just criminally too low. Um, he's actually produced well, and he had like about 400 yards last season. So with them being a more run-first team here and a bad offensive line, the best way to help that is use a tight end. And yeah. so I'm, I'm assuming that we're going to see more two tight end sets this year to allow Mixon to be successful, especially with the A.J. Green injury. So I'm thinking, keep an eye on this position group. I, you don't necessarily need to draft them, but I think around week two, these people might be very interesting, especially Tyler Eifert early on, to be able to produce at a fantasy level that's worth dra- picking up. Sure. Sure, sure. Let's move on. What team do we want to talk about next? Um, how about the Browns? Let's go all hype. The hype machine. All right, all right. Well, let's talk about Baltimore next, because we don't want to end on Baltimore. No, that, that would feel bad. I completely agree. All right, Cleveland it is. Um, where are we starting? Keeper, sleeper, and creeper? Uh, we can go sleeper this time. What do you think? Sleeper, fine by me, because this is my comparison to Boyd. And he's literally a sleeper, I think, because of Boyd, in my opinion. Because if Boyd's going at 49, Jarvis Landry is the cheaper Boyd option at 77.80. Because they are like the same 
receiver, in my opinion, in my eyes. They're definitely the same style. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he's a floor player, not a big ceiling like Boyd. I think they're both limited in that. It doesn't matter if they're a one or a two, right? Because everybody was hyped up on Landry coming mm-hmm. here, being the one, and, yeah. oh, he's going to have a breakout season. He's just a floor guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Boyd is going at 49.50 and you can get this guy 30 picks later at 80, he's a sleeper then. Um you're looking at who's behind him here with Will Fuller and Curtis Samuel, and I think it's a big drop just because of the floor that he gives week to week. And it's only going to help really with him getting back to his floor that he had in Miami, which I felt it may not have been better stat-wise, but it felt better down there, getting away from you know corner one coverage more often with Beckham on the field. So uh, if, if you like Boyd a lot at 50 and you didn't get him, then take Landry at 80 and you've got the same guy pretty much. I do agree that they're both going to be high target, or they have typically thrived as an underneath guy with a lot of targets mm-hmm. when they've both been successful. Landry's going to lose some targets, but yeah, I think at the price that you're getting him at, you're probably going to get similar production. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can get on board with that. Uh, my sleeper is David Njoku, actually. And I mean, I kind of struggled to find a clear sleeper that I was really interested in. And this is one of those guys that he seems like the last guy that I truly think will be involved in the offense at the mm-hmm. tight end position before it falls off. So that's why I'm talking about him as a sleeper is because I think he's an okay guy to target basically because it gets really sketchy afterward. Mm-hmm. So he's ranked right now at 88th and tight end 9, um, according to fantasypros.com. And so I think he was pretty successful last season. I mean, he got 88 targets, so that shows that Mayfield wanted to get him involved in the offense. But with Beckham, you're going to see a slight decrease in the targets share for him, for sure. Yeah. But he might be more effective with his targets because there should be more space and he's less of an important option. He's a third option in this offense in general. Um, It's still kind of a weak tight end class this year. So I I think in general he's not not a bad guy. Um, If you take him around 88, I think you're going to be feeling pretty good about that. Um, He did have four-plus targets in each of his last six weeks, which is closer to the – actual Freddie Kitchens offense that they're probably going to be running there in Cleveland mm-hmm. this season. Um, but he didn't have any huge games either in that little short little time frame. So in my opinion, he's never going to be a guy that's in the elite elite top tier with the big three in this year, um, which I'm referring to Kittle, Kelsey, and Ertz. But Yeah, he won't be near that. I think and then he, you got a got Howard, Henry... All those cats. I mean, and he's not near that. Howard, Henry, and Evan Ingram, I think, is in the tier right below them. That's mm-hmm. very solid. And then once you lose those, then you're seeing this tier, which is where I think Njoku's at. And I think he's a far cry from both of those because you lose so much reliability. Yeah. But but he's interesting. And so I think he's a guy I like that's a little lower on the draft boards in general for okay. Cleveland players. All right. Keeper or creeper? Uh, let's go creeper. Okay. Um, I got OBJ. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, okay. Going up around 13. So I guess it is feasible to get him and Devontae Adams if you're wanting to do that. But I have a bias against OBJ. I can't stand him. <laughs> and it, it literally, although it's a fantasy team, it affects the way I draft. So I am already prone not to like him. But I've seen so many wide receivers, even great wide receivers, it feels like, come to different teams and they just do not match that first year. It's hard to get into that offense. Um Things aren't going well, and they have such egos that if their ego gets a little bit offended and they lose a little bit of confidence, that it just does not pan out too well that year one. 
And that's not the case for everybody, and you can find stats to go against that, but that's my gut. And OBJ is definitely somebody that's ego-driven. Yes. Almost to the point where he needs medicine. Um, <laughs> but here he is, and one of the most now almost toxic atmospheres that they've created in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield's personality. Jarvis Landry isn't known as the best guy. You got, you know, Mixon's in Cincinnati punching, Hunt's <laughs> up here in Cleveland kicking. So, yeah. I, it just, it can, he, he could either, I don't think it's he has a mediocre season. I think he either blows up and has a great season or he literally, the office, he just implodes in the off- offense and doesn't do anything for you, pretty much. I could not agree more that this is a nuclear power plant. It really for is. For Cleveland. Like, this could be the most efficient, awesome team, offensively and defensively, and they make a run actually at deep in the, at the playoffs in the AFC. They could. Or, this team ends up being... Six and ten, even though they have the talent to be a thirteen and three team, mm-hmm. and, and it'll be because no one gets along. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham both have some of the most polarizing personalities. Where Baker Mayfield tells it how it is, whatever he's thinking, he's saying it, mm-hmm. and even if it makes people real mad. And he knows he shouldn't say it. Well, Odell Beckham has been, um, let's say, sensitive in general to a lot of the problems that happen around him. It could melt down super hard, and it could not. They could just become, they could just build off each other instead of, you know, I don't know. I don't, instead of fission, it could be fusion. Yes. And it could just be <laughs> incredible, but yeah. it could also be so bad. And if it's going to be so bad, and then you got to hear the drama, it's not even fun to have them on your fantasy team. So I just go elsewhere. Mm. I don't know. They're, behind him is Michael Thomas, pretty much, on average draft pick. And I'd take Thomas all day, any day over that. Yes. Michael Thomas might be one of the more underrated first and second round players in general, in my opinion. He's yeah. just so safe, and yeah. he's been so effective, and he's getting better most of the seasons in the last three, and he's still young. Like, my goodness, I like him better than Beckham for sure. Well, who you got? Who are you creeping on? Um, I'm actually creeping on Baker Mayfield. And it, it's strange because... I'm cool with that. Baker Mayfield is very intriguing. Mm-hmm. But whenever I look and see, he's being picked at 52 right now. No, he isn't. In, in, in right now, according to live drafts on ESPN, he is being drafted on average at oh. 52. It hurts my heart. That's he, stupid. He's ranked at 60 according to pro fo- or fantasypros.com, oh. and he's QB4. <laughs> I didn't know any of this. I'm but, sitting here like... But he followed how I feel about starting pitchers in baseball. It's how I feel kind of about quarterbacks almost. I, I'm a yes. hater of quarterbacks, but... It's such a deep position this year that I don't think you could possibly... Unless you're trying to, that's the only way you can sabotage yourself at the quarterback position this right. year. There's so many people that are fantasy relevant and have proven to be top 10 players Like in you the could past. stream anybody except Washington. Yeah. Honestly, I think you could probably survive if you streamed ever, anyone that's not in Washington this season. Mm-hmm. That is an insane statement to make. But whenever uh, you, Maybe not Darnold. I don't trust him yet. He's even ranked pretty high in, in fantasy lineups. Like yeah. he's inside the and, top. And he 20 finished or way better than he started. We'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about Jets. But yeah, um, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know all that stuff that you just told me. So basically, I'm just saying, please don't do that. Yeah, he, he is clearly not going to be the quarter, top five quarterback in the NFL this year, in my opinion. He has the weapons to do so, but with what the information that I've seen with him playing effective, but not great. Right. 
all of his projections look like he basically improves in all ways this season, and he's a, only a passing quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like People are talking about he can run better than you think. Well, he only had 131 rushing yards last year, so it's not like he's really running in, in, a, in a way that will help your fantasy totals for the right. day. You might get an extra point or two. For all this talent to work on this team, he doesn't need to be running. Please, no. Yes. So, I mean, he needs a scramble to keep the offense effective, sure, but he doesn't need to be doing some running gig up here in Cleveland. Sure. And, I mean, Chubb, I think, to me, you have Kitchens, who's a running back coach, that is now their head coach. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they turn into a run-first team more so than a pass-first team. And they should. Let's move on. Keeper is Nick Chubb for me. I, I think he is so good. I, mm-hmm. I think the reason why Cleveland, I don't think, becomes that 6-10 and 10 team is because they have Chubb to rely on. Mm-hmm. I think he is so safe. I like him more than Mixon, where he is ranked. Um, yeah, I like him a lot. I don't think he's that tier one type guy yet, but he's the top of the tier two. Um, you have, of course, they're saying they're going to increase him in the passing game now that Duke Johnson's gone. There's nobody else to pass it to. Literally, right. until Hunt comes back after eight games, which who, eight games is a long time away. Who knows if Hunt ever even plays for the Browns? He, it's possible. He could not. He very well could. Um, he is also not like the best scat back you know, prototype in the NFL. So I don't know how much he's right. actually going to steal from Nick Chubb, maybe just a rester. Um, I think Nick Chubb is just going to have tons of volume this year in Cleveland. Especially for the first eight weeks, yeah. Especially in the first eight weeks. Hunt can maybe, we'll see how that goes eight weeks in, but eight weeks is a long time in the NFL. Eight weeks is enough to get you out of fantasy playoffs. And I don't worry about it. Take Chubb, don't worry about Hunt. And I think Chubb is the safest person in Cleveland. I think he's going to be the you know, the nail in this offense that keeps them going and keeps them from imploding, which I think their offense could do alone. Yeah. Without him. That's a fair point. I think Chubb's pretty even or accurately rated. He looks very safe in general from a running back standpoint. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have a track record, but I think he's talented enough. Right, right. And he did well in this offense last year. It's only better. Um. The only thing I would say is just to, I guess, finish up with Baker a bit, is just I think he's more of a QB1 on the very low end of the spectrum. I think if you're looking at him as a QB1 at 8 or 12, somewhere in that range, you're going to be much happier about drafting him there. So basically what I'm saying is don't draft him because someone else will earlier than that. Well, shoot, you should have stopped me. I didn't know I was cutting you off on old Baker. Nah, it's all good. I'm only saying that I think there's better pure passers in the league that'll be safer, and you're getting them rounds and rounds later anyway. So skip. You're clarifying your position. I like it. Yes. Um, But I do like Beckham, actually, as my keeper. And it's only because I'm just ruling on, I think the nuclear option doesn't go nuclear enough (laughs) in this meltdown to ruin it. I think Beckham will be good, but he is one of the more risky players you could take in the first two rounds, which breaks my mold of what do you do to me you take receivers that early only if they're super safe yeah and Beckham around 12 is okay in my opinion as a person to keep um but to be completely fair like we talked about I don't really like Baker Mayfield he's a creeper for me Mm -hmm. I think Jarvis Landry is an interesting candidate I like Njoku I I like the fact that they're probably going to run more and all these things add to the fact that Beckham probably won't be the best receiver in the league this year I think he's going to be closer to a low end wide out one and maybe that's okay. I think he's still a wide out one, but I think his ceiling might be a little more capped than what people think he is. With that being said, I think at 12, you're going to be okay taking him there. Cool. Cool. All right, all right. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. All right. Let's go to Baltimore. So don't Baltimore. end on Baltimore, because I think Baltimore is kind of like a... Talk about it. 
gross team in my opinion. <laughs> From a fantasy standpoint, right. could you be less exciting? And uh, so let's dump, jump in. What, do we start Sleeper last? Yeah, I think we did. And we started Keeper first, so let's start with Creeper. And uh, Lamar Jackson's my guy. Couldn't agree more. And I think this is. I don't know if he can throw a football. Actually, though. Right. I mean, according to what um, I mean, FantasyPros.com was talking about, they have him in the projections for the season. Okay, they're saying he's eighth mm-hmm. best quarterback, which is mind blowing to me based on the risk there. It, but, it, uh, of course, he is if he can run the football like he did last at the end of last season, all yes. season long. That's yes. not possible. It has never been shown possible. And we're talking with people like Michael Vick wasn't able to do it. Are right. you saying that this guy is as talented a scrambler as Michael Vick? Because I'm hesitant to say that's possible. His rushing attempts were a record number, which you hate to see. And then his expected percentile for completion percentage is in the bottom ninth of the NFL. And then his bottom 18th in interceptions thrown. So that means he's turning the ball over and they don't think they're gonna, he's going to be able to complete balls at all. His receiving core is very raw. And... You're 100% banking on all of his value being rushing. And in my opinion, we, you lose the fact that Flacco's in this offense, and people had the entire offseason now to game plan and understand what they're going for. Flacco was in this offense. and they Correct. Had, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was a pass-first guy, and right, he was right. on the roster. So to me, you had to be at least honest enough to cover the receivers because you don't know if they were going to go to different formations yeah. or Flacco get on the field mm-hmm. throw it deep. Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, is a person that looks very one-dimensional. And if he can learn how to throw, which there is a chance that is reality. But they're still wobbling in OTAs. The balls in the air. It's reported. Like, he's just throwing... I don't know, man. You hate to see it. You hate... And and the weapons aren't good. So, it's not even like someone can bail them out. It's just like in baseball. We've been talking about baseball. A rookie comes up, oh, great, tons of hype, tons of home runs. You trade them because now scouting reports come out. In baseball, mm-hmm. there's so much more sample size. You adapt quicker, and the, the rookies fade out quicker. Yes. Football, you don't got that sample size. You don't know if the game plan from one week is going to be the same to the next week. But now Baltimore has the sample size last season that teams are going to build on this year. This is what they're going to try to do. And then Hardball's out here saying, yeah, that is what we're going to do. We're going to even run it harder. Like, mm-hmm. you can't... <laughs> Lamar Jackson isn't going to survive that. He's going to die. Yeah. Like, the only person that's been able to survive healthy enough for the most part in their career has been Cam Newton that scrambled anywhere near the scrambling amounts that I've yeah. seen. He has a big body that can survive it. Lamar Jackson's not that big. No. And to me, that's what it, defines this whole offense. And Cam Newton is inaccurate, but at least he's got the arm strength and the arm rawness to get the ball downfield when he needs to. Yes. I don't see the threat with Lamar Jackson. He hasn't proved it at all. At the end of that playoff game, he started to come back a little bit, but he looks so bad. He had, no. what, like 31 yards at halftime? 51 yeah, yards at half? Pitiful. Like, that, that's that's what you, I think you could be running into against good teams that have the time to game plan against him. And with that being said, I think we can agree that also creeping is Marquise Brown as much as... Um, oh, yes. But it just doesn't really matter because he's not being drafted as high. Agreed. I think people are kind of understanding that. Don't do it. So, <laughs> what do you want to do next? On this team. Do you have anything else you want to add to it? No. I mean, it's pretty much just my problem with this offense is that Lamar Jackson's running it. And that it, is it, the problem. It hampers everyone's productivity. I mean, maybe besides him, maybe he runs that much, and maybe he plays really well for the first five weeks and gets hurt. Yeah. But that's the most upside I can see. And if he does get hurt, it doesn't get much better with RJ3 behind him. I, I agree. But let's talk about then the keeper. Let's talk about the little bright spot. And it's not... There's going to be a name to this keeper, mm-hmm. but it's not in honor of him. Yes. It's in honor of the offensive line. 
Yes. And for that reason, I think Mark Ingram is a keeper. Yes. But it could be, if Gus Edwards was still a guy here, Gus Edwards is a keeper. It's just Yonda in that line is so good at creating holes for their running backs. Mm-hmm. Overall, I don't think they're best pass, but I just, run blocking, I just think they're great at all of them. I mean, Pro Football Focus has them at 11th best overall in the league, yes. And then and then run blocking, I'd say even higher, but I don't have that list on me. I would have to look, but I would be shocked if you were not right. Right. So, Mark Ingram's the guy now, which kind of, for Gus fans, Gus the Bus fans, it kind of erases him because they are the same back. So mm-hmm. they brought in the, you know, pretty much the same guy. So don't worry about Gus Edwards and these drafts so much unless you're going to handcuff Mark Ingram if he's that big of a part of your team. Um, yeah. But this is all about the trenches, and they're going to open up lanes for Mark Ingram. He's going to be effective. He's going to be, he should be the staple of this offense because he's a lot more trustworthy um, than Lamar Jackson. I, I do think talent-wise probably the, the best is behind Mark Ingram now. Yes. It's going to be more of a committee. Uh, he is different than Justice Hill, who I think will be the next most involved guy in this offense, catching balls out of the backfield. Um, the other thing that sucks about Mark Ingram, though, and our keeper is A, and the creeper, is that A, can Lamar Jackson move the ball down the field? B, if he does move the ball down the field, how many touchdowns does he steal from Mark Ingram, which kind of yep. sucks. But <laughs> outside of that, I think... Mark Ingram is relatively safe at his draft pick around 44 or 50. I couldn't agree more. I think on all all fronts. I mean, he had a pretty good year last season, and he split carries in that offense in New Orleans, which is a good Mm -hmm. sign. Um, I don't think his talent's down the toilet yet. I think Mm -hmm. he's aging, but he he is still going to be reliable this year for the most part. Um, He averaged 4.7 yards a carry last year with six touchdowns. I I think what you're going to get is more carries, because surprisingly, one of the few teams that might run more than what New Orleans did last year will be Baltimore this year. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to survive if they don't run. And Ingram's a little bit better pass catcher than people give him credit for. He's not an ideal passing threat. He's not Kamara, don't get me wrong. Right. I think they're going to probably want to have a different person in those passing downs, where I think you're right, Justice Hill looks like the most likely one to do that. Yeah. But I'd say don't even worry about Ken Dixon. Uh, he's the one that's off the radar for yeah. me. And so I, I like Ingram, but let me be very clear. If there's a definition between high floor, low ceiling, this is your guy. Yeah. And, 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 and Ingram goes out, Gus is the one to pick up. Bingo, bango. And he's my sleeper, so I might as well transition into that. I think Gus Edwards is very interesting as a guy that had 718 yards rushing last season with a 5.2 yards per carry. As a dude mm-hmm. that's 238 pounds and 6'1". The Ingram signing is legit, but I kind of wish they didn't do it just cause, so we could have seen this guy. He looks really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a chance that they might run enough in this offense to make him the 12-carry guy, mm-hmm. even with Ingram in the game as much as he might be. And that gives some intrigue, but really he's a super, he's a super deep sleeper. He's yeah. the 68th rated running back, and I feel like that's probably a little rough, but I think it's he's, he's definitely nowhere near top 30 or 40 where he should probably be rostered right, right away. Right, right. So he's a guy that I, I'm very interested in as a person to keep an eye on if Ingram gets dinged up. I think he's an excellent running back. I think arguably he could be more effective than Ingram because he might be a better power running back yeah, in this system. at this point in their careers, yeah. But Ingram's a more d- balanced running back, so he'll, he'll win the job, and I think he'll be probably better. But keep an eye on him. I think Gus Edwards is interesting, but he's not ideal. Cool. Well, then let me throw out my sleeper because based on everything you said, you'll probably be surprised, but it's just because he's going undrafted. And it's Willie Sneed for. Um, uh, okay, okay. And it's not that I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just that 
you know, and some some offenses never produce a wide receiver that actually factors into fantasy. Yes. But in my opinion, if there's going to be somebody, include all the tight ends, Andrews Hurst, include Marquise Brown, Hollywood being drafted this year. Um, a rookie wide receivers don't really pan out. B, I don't think you're going to pan out with this guy as the quarterback at all. Mm-hmm. Twofold, I agree. Willie Sneed in the slot, I think, is the safest person. So I, I would say the passing is funneled to him, but I don't know if there's enough to sustain him. But when he was going undrafted, and I think he is the wide receiver one in the offense, I don't even know if that translates better to a tr- wide receiver five in fantasy. But you can keep an eye on him there because he's going undrafted. So if it looks like he's going to th- throw the ball well, I think Willie Sneed's the biggest benefactor as I throw things. <laughs> um, That's a fair point. So I think I have like a similar feeling about Mark Andrews, where I'm like highly skeptical because I just don't believe in Lamar Jackson at all as a passer yet. Yeah. But if there was a guy, tight ends seem to be the ones that thrive because they're going to be in the middle of the field closer to him. You don't have to throw out wide. You don't get capitalized on your lack of accuracy as much. Yeah. But last season, even with Flacco in the offense, which would help him, it was only 552 yards and three touchdowns. Which would help him tremendously. That's the thing that scares me because Flacco usually supports tight ends pretty well. Historically great. Yeah. yeah. Although Flacco wasn't the guy for the whole part of the season last year, and Andrews and Hurst were both you know young in the offense. So. Yeah. I think I did the Hurst math on this right. He had like two and a half targets a game when Lamar Jackson was a quarterback. So, I am, which is probably like you know, out of the five passes he threw in a game. I mean, that's pr- <laughs> actually probably closer than you think. I mean, I'm, we're being a little brutal, but it it, it was not the, their main offensive right. strategy. Lamar Jackson was basically a running back at the quarterback position. And so it pretty much saps all of Mark Andrews' true value. But if there was a, if they're really going to start to throw and be a more balanced attack and allow Lamar Jackson to be successful, I think that has to happen. Mark Andrews is my guy to pick in that offense in the same way. But he's right now at tight end 11, so he's yeah. almost on tight end 1 area. Doesn't seem that doesn't seem right to me. And it seems, I, know, I see that. I looked at that. I would creep on him if I wasn't creeping on Marquise Brown and you know Lamar Jackson so much, but yeah. I, I think that's a little bit high. I I'm with you. He's interesting. I looked at him. I did a little research. I just don't think that any receiver is going to be able to survive in this offense. No, because you're going to get 20 carries probably. From it's like Ty backs. Montgomery playing quarterback now. <laughs> from wide receiver running way. back. To <laughs> Let's go for it. All right, the full cycle. Right. Oh man. Well, let's cap it off with this preview episode, trying to keep it concise, succinct. we got a draft we're going to do later, so we want to be prepared for that too. But bringing it to you, keeping these episodes kind of short for you to get it all packed in. Uh, No beating a dead horse here. Pittsburgh, our last team. And we've done it all now, so where do you want to start? Um, Let's start with keepers again. Cycle back. And I'm going to say James Conner. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I love their offensive line. I know they're talking more committee this year to not burn James Conner out, but you know, last year the offense wasn't really dedicated to him, and it's kind of it kind of felt like it wasn't a committee by any means. But you know, it wasn't James Conner's running offense. It was still Wins Bell coming back. Wins Bell, mm-hmm. oh Bell's not coming back. Okay, then we'll run James Conner. I think James Conner's still going to get plenty of work behind that offensive line, and still a good offense. And they passed so much last year. They passed so an much. insane amount. So even if they go to committee. I bet you Connor's workload stays pretty hefty, and I think he is a safe up-around pick. Okay. I surprisingly have him as a creeper. Really? Um, I, at nine, it just seems really high. I, I don't think he's a guy that's going to bust, like fully bust on you. I just think with him in the last five weeks of the season, 
uh, he seemed to wear out a little bit. Like, his carries dipped, which was partially because Jalen Samuels was really good in that offense later on in the season. But he never broke 70 yards rushing in the last five weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a, a huge stretch in the middle of the season when he got, got the full job and it looked like he was working into being a starter. All 20 yard, 20 carries a game, all of them 100 yards. He was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still sort of involved in the passing game, but with Jalen Samuels, I think that will be where he thrives. It'll be a bit of a committee on third downs is what I'm kind of reading into this with. But Jalen Samuels did have a, a better yards per carry last season, which might involve him getting a couple more carries in the middle of the field. I just think he's a very strong running back two, more so than a low-end running back one. So I'm thinking he's just a little bit below that. He's currently at running back seven, and I think I just prefer the wide receivers in that area of the draft a little bit more than I prefer James Conner. He won't burn you, but I just don't think he's quite as exciting and reliable as a running back one as I think some people might be hoping he'd be. I like him there. I'm not saying he's the top-tier right running back one, but I think he's one of the safer running back ones there is. Doesn't have the ceiling that somebody like David Johnson or, you know, and we just right. mentioned that name a lot, but McCaffrey or somebody has, but behind that offensive line and the best offense in this division, yes, I would argue best team in this division still, um, especially with all the drama gone, He's going to be putting up points for you. And, and there's no goal line real threat to, to what I think he's going to do. Very true. And they're definitely going to run more because they can't throw more they than they did last year. And was, they've lost Antonio Brown, so they have to function in a more balanced sense right. if they want to be effective. So then I'll throw out my creeper because of what you just said, and that's J.J. Smith-Schuster. <laughs> or, we could, or we could say Juju. Juju. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster. Huh, we just swapped there. We did. We swapped a little bit. Oh, is he your keeper? He's my keeper. You didn't even get to say your keeper yet. That's okay. Go for it. Because you said your keeper. Go for it. Go for it. Um, and it's, is he a wide receiver one? I don't know if he is, but we're going to find out this year because we got a sample size of it with Brown out for a little bit here and there and stretches last season, and he did perform pretty well, but now he's the guy this year. He's going to get draw corner one coverage every mm-hmm. single game, and Brown leaves and all these targets are available now doesn't mean much to J- Juju Smith-Schuster because... They were a tremendous amount of passes last season, A. So that number is going to decrease just overall. And then, B, a lot of them went to Juju. He was fourth in the league for targets. Yep. Um, tons of volume. So there isn't going to be this new volume adjustment. The only thing that's going to adjust this year isn't a new bump in volume, but a bump in the talent of people covering him. And for that reason, I think Roethlisberger just finds his, you know, other guys, and, and they, they're going to pick up Antonio Brown's targets. I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster benefits at all, only could lose it. And the question is, is he a wide receiver one on in, in real-life football? Um, that'll, be, that'll be, can he get his ceiling even higher? See, everything you said is exactly how I felt coming into the season before I started doing a lot of my research. Like, in general, I've looked at Juju Smith-Schuster. A, if we're looking at you hating Odell Beckham, I hate Juju Smith-Schuster with an equal burning, fiery passion. I don't because of that hit he put on Perfect. He's forever one of my favorites. The the hit was great. (laughs) I completely agree with you. What I didn't like is him celebrating with that injury, making fun of it the next week or two with his Pittsburgh Yeah, he shouldn't have done it the next week. But I was even okay with him standing over top of him and just manning up because you just laid out perfect and you're a wide receiver. You're a wide receiver that laid out the dirtiest linebacker in the NFL. And that's the thing. I don't agree with hurting people, but he literally tries to hurt people perfect. Perfect is... I don't miss him in Cincinnati. Without a doubt, dirty. So... 
But for me, that's my personal opinion on Juju. I hate the fact that he was classless enough to make fun of a concussion that, that he got. That's stupid. You can't do that. Weeks Dirty. On. So I, I, I can't forgive that yet. I'm not ready. A little bitter. But and Pittsburgh fans can't really forgive the funnel, fumble yet. I don't know. Maybe they can because I'm not a Pittsburgh fan either. It's hard to say. But I don't know. That's didn't. a whole different story, I guess. Right now, Juju's <laughs> ranked at 15 and wide receiver 6 in the league. And personally, I, I was highly concerned that Antonio Brown leaving would, it would affect the, his coverage, that he's going against number one corners. And I think that is still certainly going to be the case for this. But 166 targets last season and 111 receptions with 1,426 yards and seven touchdowns is an exceptional season for this mm-hmm. guy. Um, Antonio Brown had more touchdowns than him in this offense, which indicates that he, Antonio Brown was still the number one guy. But this is enough of a target share that would indicate that Roethlisberger definitely trusts him. And they lost so many targets within the offense that with Antonio Brown, Jesse James, I, I think he's going to maintain the same target share in the offense. They're going to throw less, but I think all of the Antonio Brown targets aren't going to go distributed to everybody else in the offense. I think it just goes to running. I think they're just going to be running more in this offense instead of passing, but Juju still stays this involved. And I think with his general success last season, even against t- uh, wide receiver two coverage, I think what makes up the difference is the fact that he's now the primary guy they're drawing up plays for. So I think he has a, a top five floor in the league if he's healthy the whole season, just based on volume. I, I don't think they're going to head to a 60-40 rush offense or anything by the, anything close to that. So I think Roethlisberger's still going to be airing it out, and I think Juju survives. Maybe his effectiveness drops a bit. Maybe he's closer to a 1,200-yard receiver this season with 90 catches and 10 touchdowns where he gets a larger share of the Antonio Brown touchdowns that are gone. I'm cool with that because what you're saying is, and that's how I'm saying he's a creeper in the sense that, you know, he still may be better than the people that's drafting below him, but I don't think you can expect anything more than what he did last season. No, no. Last season is the ceiling. I think the numbers only go down, but not significantly. Yes, and I think I'm willing to accept it at wide receiver six. I think he gets equal because he loses so many yards because they're not going to throw as much and he's going to get tougher coverages. But I think it increases with the touchdown share. Sure. It is kind of I how see I that. see it. So I have him as a keeper, definitely not a sleeper. He might be slightly overrated, but I think he survives and gets you second round value. Right, because you're looking at 20 year. Mike Evans and I'm feeling better with Juju um, than Mike Evans down I at would, 20. I would agree with that. And Mike Evans is pretty interesting, too. Mike Evans is interesting with Arians. Yeah, well, we'll talk about him, too. Mm-hmm. Plus, if there was any team I was, you know, subconsciously wanting to root on, it's my Buccaneers that I used to love back with Allstott and Derek Brooks and the whole nine yards. So we'll talk about them when it's time to talk about them. Yes. Cool. Then, uh, good sir, you mentioned your creeper. I did, and that's James Conner. Um, oh, I, yeah, I, you already I, talked I, about I him way earlier. about it. I just think he's a strong running back, too. But. Cool. Then all we have left is our sleeper for these Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. Will it be the same one? I actually have three. <laughs> I have a lot of sleepers that I really liked for this team, and I couldn't not leave them out. So I'm gonna, I'll, I want to rapid-fire it and see if rapid I cover fire. any of your guys. Roethlisberger. I think he's being underrated at quarterback 16, rank 107. He's been inconsistent his whole career. I'm not saying there isn't risk, and he's not probably a clear quarterback one. You can play him at any home game, just not on away games, and I agree with you. It's the weirdest thing in the whole world, but I completely agree with you. But he led the league in pass attempts and pass yards, 67% completion percentage and 34 touchdowns last season. Too many interceptions with 16, but his O-line's still great. 
and him losing a giant weapon will hurt his value a bit, but I think he's a borderline quarterback one, and in comparison to people like Lamar Jackson, who's being treated as a quarterback one, I don't, I'd rather have Roethlisberger 100%. Absolutely. So I think he's being underrated. He's a great value quarterback to target in the later rounds, around the 10th round. Right on. James Washington, I think, is the guy that benefits so much from Antonio Brown's departure. He's the most interesting person I could think. He's probably my top sleeper if I had to pick. He only had 217 yards last season with one touchdown, which is not a great year, especially with all the passing that was going around in this offense. But he was a young receiver. He was a 2018 second-round pick, and he definitely was covered in the depth chart from being able to ex- exceed a lot of those expectations, mm-hmm. especially since Vance McDonald and Jesse James led to a lot more two tight end sets with them getting involved. But I think this is the year where you really get to see if he's the man. And mm-hmm. with him not being a rookie anymore, I have a lot more confidence in that. He's the deep threat that Roethlisberger usually loves to enjoy with people like Antonio Brown, who was their deep threat, Mike Wallace before that. I think he's been historically able to get deep threats very successful in this offense. And with less two tight end sets now that Vance McDonald is out, I think you could see him being very good in this offense. Moncrief will be interesting, but I think James Washington is the more interesting person. I think he has a higher, very high ceiling for rank 178 and 63rd wide receiver. And then Vance McDonald's my final sleeper at tight end eight. With Jesse James leaving, he was almost a tight end eight last season. Like right. That was pretty much what he was doing. So where's the value increase, especially with a lot of the questionable ones outside of this range? Right. I, I think I see him as tight end six. He had 73 targets last year at tight end in this offense with all the weapons they already had in the offense. So I think Roethlisberger likes Vance McDonald, and I like him too. Vance McDonald's super talented, and and I'm, I'm on board with all that. The only thing I'm going to so, switch around is that for my sleeper, I would – it's really your gut. Is James Washington going to perform well this season, mm-hmm. or is it going to be Dante Moncrief? My gut's going more Dante Moncrief that he benefits a little bit more. I actually think you're going to see more Washington in the slot, Moncrief more on the outside with Smith-Schuster. Probably. And I think that makes Moncrief more the deep guy. Um, he's definitely got the frame and the ability to do it. It's really, you know, I think you could draft either one or both of them. I think both are interesting. You know. Um, and see how it goes. Moncrief has disappeared in the past couple years, but he had the crappy luck version that year that he disappeared in that version, and then he had uh, whatever his name was in Jacksonville. Bortles. Bortles. That's a hard so, life. So, like, you can't really blame him. We don't really know what he's bringing to the table, but I, I like Moncrief. I like the veteran guy there picking up those targets, and, yeah, I, you want you want whatever's going to benefit from Brown being gone, but it's, is it really going to be a nice committee approach? Where all these guys benefit, or is there going to be somebody that steps up? Yeah, you know, time will tell. Um, I'm going to go with Moncrief as my answer, and we'll see how the season goes, sleeper wise. You know, but I liked McDonald a lot. Yeah. I couldn't. Uh, I think Jesse. Je- I, I don't think Brown leaving helps McDonald. Jesse James leaving helps McDonald. Um, yes, in my opinion, I couldn't agree more because him fighting playing time was a big hindrance on them. They were both almost fantasy relevant because yeah. they were both so good at certain times. The only question to me with the Pittsburgh team is in general, will they throw even close to as much as they did last season? If so, then all these people in the passing game are so interesting to me for Pittsburgh. A lot of them might be criminally underrated. Absolutely, but I think we both agree that probably not because I don't think a very Super Bowl team can pass that much. And I think that Antonio Brown's, his targets and some of Smith-Schuster's targets are going to go to running the ball. And to Moncrief or Washington. 100%, yes. Agree. All right. That's it. That's all I got. Any last words or wisdom, John? Uh, not too much. I just am saying, please, 
to me, take some of these safer quarterbacks later on in the draft. That's yeah. the main takeaway from a lot of this. Yeah. A lot of this division has these guys that are lower rated, and I think they're way more interesting. Drafting the AFC North, I think the winners are the people that took, you know, um, Dalton and Roethlisberger in the hundreds in comparison to uh, Mayfield in the 50s, 60s, and Lamar Jackson in the 80s, 90s. It just seems like it's way too much. Yeah. Considering you get Kirk Cousins at like 20-something, who I f- find just as appealing as someone like Mayfield, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's a real comparison, but yikes. Right on. Way too high. That's it. We're signing off. All right. Have a good luck uh, with whatever your drafts you're at. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.